0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For such a rich presence of your spirit in this house, thank you for being able to worship you and to live before you. Thank you for knowing that you care for us from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet. Every cell in our body has been redeemed by your precious blood. Every t- t- tissue, every, um, every muscle, every sinew, every ligament, everything that holds this skeletal body together, muscle and even the skin, oh God, all there coming together, that you form a vessel adequate and competent and prepared to serve you. We pray, Father, that you fill us as vessels of honor to show forth your mercies and grace, to show forth your praise, to be so on fire with your spirit and your word and be so in fellowship with your presence that it pours over to those that surround us, O God. And that wherever we go, we are a blessing to all the families upon the earth. That men are restored. That marriages are rescued. That families are renewed. We pray that you use the young boys and girls in this house like you used the young girl who spoke to Naaman and said, If you only would go to a place where the man of God is, he would heal you. Let it be our testimony tonight. As you have lifted up in this house world changers, men and women that make a difference, that impact their surroundings, that walk solidly on, on solid ground, slaying all the enemies of the Lord, fighting the battles of God, and allow us to recover the character of those that prevail, a victorious people. You say that in the tent of the righteous, there are the praises of victory, And we believe that all those that stand in your way will perish in their attempt. We will overcome all our enemies on every side because you are our God. And they might come with us, against us, with javelin and spear. But, Father, you have filled us with your spirit. And it is a powerful spirit. For it's not by power nor by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. That we overcome and we shall see the end of these matters. So prosper this word in the hearts of your people. Allow them to rise up to the place you've called them. And that they might be a standard and a reference for this generation. Prosper your word in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. One of the verses that often... Concerned me is 1 Corinthians 2.16. The mind is the place that administers all that goes on in our existence. So if you're twisted in the mind, you're twisted in the delivery. And our mind has to be renewed, the Bible says, so that we might know what that perfect and good And acceptable will of God is. The mind is is the seat of our physical body. And it's what the uh, the spirit wants to have access to. That you be renewed in your mind. And so it says here, and I've said it for many years. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he might talk to God... The question is, are you going to let God lead you or are you using your thoughts to lead God? It's very, very, very difficult for somebody to teach you how to ride a horse when you don't let him teach you. Drive a car when you don't let him teach you. A young man telling his dad, leave me alone, I know how to drive. (laughs) Yeah, right. If he's not getting the instruction and the training... You're not born learning how to drive a car. So the same thing, Um, the Lord wants us not to speak in His direction, but allow Him to lead us. There's, There's no greater frustration than you trying to lead God and God seeing you mess up your life. We have the mind of Christ. This is what the Bible says. The reason we've used this verse so often is because we do not have to suffer like the world suffers. We do not have to learn from bitter experiences if we allow the Lord to lead us. And so we have the mind of Christ because we are those that welcome. And we're saying to the Lord, teach me. I'm meek enough to be taught. Lead me. Where you go, I'll follow when you have that attitude, and, and, and it's not it's, it's, a special, it's a special response, it's a special disposition. Talking to a gentleman today, and I was telling him, listen, one of the gentlemen that said that he hadn't made it to the park at the barbecue, and I said, well, if everyone were to imitate what you did, there would be no activity. And so he says, yeah, but I said, no, no, listen, all you have to say is thank you, pastor. Because I'm not, I'm not against you. I'm trying to bring something into your life that's going to be your benefit. It's going to be good for you. And so there's no controversy. You don't have to respond back. There's nothing you can say that's going to change what I'm saying, which is next time be there. And if you just say, yes, pastor, thank you. It's it's an end of destruction. I mean, end of instruction. We could go on to the next. We could go on to the next lesson. And you learn that one. It's good. We go on to the next one. There's, there's no animosity. If this was a workplace environment and you didn't show up, there would be, you would have a little note on your desk. Please pick up your belongings and leave. But this is not a workplace uh, A workplace um, environment. Thank you. This is not. this, This is we want you to be champions. We're not in a fast hurry to run you out of here. Unless what you want to do is you want to teach everyone to be as irresponsible as you. Then we will ask you this is not your place of expertise. And so go teach darkness somewhere else. Go teach foolishness somewhere else. But we want, and this is where I use this verse if we're claiming to have the mind of Christ, we need to have thoughts of God running through our mind. In other words, we are analyzing things like God analyzes things. And that's where Daniel was 10 times wiser than his companions. Why? He had a capacity to honor he had a capacity to obey he had a capacity to serve he had a capacity to walk and this is what this was with his reputation ready in whom the spirit of god dwells and when the guy lives he's living like if god is living and the way we're able to do that is because we have the mind of christ You cannot go around saying you have the mind of Christ and you are not moving in the rhythms of the grace of the Spirit of God. And when you do move like God wants you to move, I love this. It's graceful. And people are like, man, that is so awesome. But if you're like... And you look like a drunkard, and nobody could follow you, and nobody wants to learn, and you're super... Please stop dancing. Please. You have two left feet. So the world wants to see that we are not contending with God and His Spirit, but that we have a graceful existence because of the peaceful thoughts that are moving towards our life. David says, Lord... Your commandments are not burdensome to me. Do not enter. I know that I'm not to go that way. Well, why not? Why not enter? And so you're moving in the wrong direction and it's a problem. And now somebody has to come and And, and it just it's a mess. And then the world hasn't seen anything. So here it is. We have the mind of Christ. I've been declaring this for over 20 years. That if we... Proclaim and profess to have the mind of Christ. I love what George Smith put today online. Where's George? What would you put? Marriages that. Okay, Natasha, go ahead. Marriages that put God first enjoy their love better. Listen to me. I'm sick and tired of seeing frustrated people that are married. They look so awkward. You're married to the man. Get over it. Yeah. Get over it. You have no, there's no mind of Christ there. Get over it already. She's yours. That's what I'm talking about, Grace. Say it one more time, Natasha. Natasha. I'm sorry, but it's just the grace of God, the mind of Christ. See, people that love the way, go ahead, say it. I don't know. The couples that put God first love each other better. Yeah, marriages that put God first, they, they love each other better. See, that, that's what I'm talking about. If, if we organize our thoughts according to the purpose and ordained order of heaven, that produces a great joy of peace. And your kids are like, man, my parents are enjoying so much this thing. I can't wait till I get married. Amen. You know? And because they're seeing, they're witnessing. Not the nightmare and the chaos of people that do not have the mind of Christ. That do not understand God's order. The blessing of God's peace. So one, we have the mind of, uh, of Christ. Uh, we're renewing our mind so that we could understand the things of God. And two... 1 Corinthians one twenty four, talking about not only the mind of Christ, but to those who are called. How many are called? We're all called that are here. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ for us is the power of God. We can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. Wherever there's something missing that we're saying, you know, it is customary for a person to put all the obstacles that render them unable to do what God wants. So God says, you know something? Go forward. And He said, well, my mom died when I was two. <laughs> no one's asking you what happened. God is saying, go forward. Well, my father abandoned me when I was 16. Listen, none of that has to be an issue. The power of God is present to those of us that are called so we can do all things in Christ who gives us the strength and the wisdom of God. So I want to touch not so much on the power of God as the mind of Christ, which we already touched upon, and then the wisdom of God. If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. Lord, you have called me to champion Things that are not easy for me. Things my parents never championed. Things my grandfather never championed. You're calling me to be able to do things and I'm very dumb. I'm very foolish. I'm very, I have no capacity to do this great thing. Sometimes I wonder if some people just throw the towel in total discouragement. Total discouragement of I will never be able. So, so instead of them having the mind of the Lord and the wisdom of God, they're, they're just declaring their loss. And, and I, I don't see that in the spirit of God, the spirit that God has given us. It's an overcoming spirit. It raises dead things. It renews all things. The Bible says anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. All things have passed. Behold, everything is made new. So, with the mind of the Lord and the wisdom of God, there is nothing that we cannot do in a manner that's appropriate. And and so that prepares us for... uh, I don't see anything less than we have been called to lead the world. I, I don't see anything. In other words... The world is stumbling in darkness. They don't even have a clue why their marriages don't work, their families don't work, their finances are, are stripped. They're being plundered. If we go to Judges chapter 2, verse 16, this is why we've decided to spend so much time in the book of Judges during the men's group on Monday night. Because it says, Never the Lord, the Lord, nevertheless, the Lord raised up leaders. That word judges, princes, those who had the capacity to lead. You'll see that every time um, the, the, the book of Judges signals out one of these phenomenal persons. They came and were able to lead the people out of the hands of those who plundered them. That's actually what this verse says. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up. So being, you know, it's it's another category of existence. You know, one of the scariest things about being a leader is people are going to want to knock you down. Period. They just want to, oh, you're a leader? Just just because you set the standard, they want to bring that so that everybody has no standard. Everybody's doing whatever they want. But, but it's only those standards established by God that gives you victory. I'm going to say it again. It's only God's order and standard and principles. The one that allow you to, listen, the agony of defeat. It's, it doesn't feel good when you lose your marriage. It doesn't feel good when you lose your family. It doesn't feel good when you're fired. It doesn't feel good when you lose your finances. So in all these things, God is making his people shine. You can shout amen right there. In all these areas, we are more than overcomer in all these things because of Christ. So we, we understand why he's lifting us up and making us a standard and a, a measure to deliver People being destroyed out of the hand of those who plunder them. um, To be stripped of your dignity and honor. To be be totally removed and discarded. So that's why God raises up leaders. And there's no greater loss amongst our lives. And this is it. Ready? Here goes. When a husband tells his wife, I'm not going to be leading this home anymore. I've decided I quit. That's devastating. Father approaches his son, and he says, "You know something, I'm not going to be your leader no more." So you from, from from tomorrow on, Joey has that 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 testimony. The night his father calls him into the room and says, "You know, from this day forward, I'm not here." And so that is so crazy. That God needs leaders to know their leaders and to say I'm never going to be leaving where God has put me so I could lead. Amen. Never. This is impossible. So here, while we understand this in the natural context of family, tonight we need people to rise up and be the leaders God has made them to be to champion their marriage, their family, their church, their nation, the nations of the earth. Yes. And these principles of prosperity and these this aspect to deliver people out of the hand is, is the most exhilarating experience i enjoy just sitting down and listening to leaders deliver people from being plundered it's an enjoyment to me to see it would be claudio a couple years ago your parents all over the place no was and for you to sit there and to stand before two People married or a family or even in the context of a single. Listen, this is the way. And and you're leading. You're you're setting parameters. You're setting order, principles. You're you're giving what you have received from the Lord. That's what we're going to do tonight. That we understand that we have the mind of the Lord. We have the wisdom of God. He's going to lift us up as leaders in our generation. I, I hope you understand you didn't just come here. To be offended at the fact you're married to somebody. You're not here to to gripe about how horrible existence is. That's not the order of your creation. Principle number one for leadership. The only way you could ever successfully be a leader. Is if you are seriously committed, attached, involved with somebody Named Jesus Christ. That's it. This is, this is number one principle. If you will never raise up as a leader, is because you miss that intimate closeness with the Lord. Where what he has rubs off on you. Where what you learn from him. Um, this is one of the things that, that they said about the disciples They said, you know something? We know these boys real well because they've been in our community forever. But we can tell there's one thing we can't deny. And the thing that we cannot deny about these young men is Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Those that judged the disciples, 13 is fine too. When they saw the courage, when they saw the elements of, oh, come on, I'm not going to be easily moved, I'm not going to change my mind, they perceived. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Hey, one of the things that, that people are, are, they come to us and say, well, you know, how did you learn how to put a marriage together? Because we hung out with Jesus. Well, how did you learn not to be scared no more? We hung out with Jesus. Well, how did you learn how to, how to respect and honor your dad? We hung out with Jesus. That's what Jesus did. And so they said, we know they're not educated. We know that they haven't been in an army. But they marveled and finally had to realize that they had been hanging out with Jesus. I love the transformation of people who hang out with Jesus. The first thing that happens is this. A smile. The expression, I'm at peace and nobody could take my joy. Why? Because I got Jesus. I don't care. I have the Lord. And that expression is amazing. See, they've done studies all over the earth, and they've determined that those people who are connected with Jesus have greater rates of increase in their mortality. They live longer in their vitality. they, They live a more enjoyable life, improve birth rates. More, less crime directly proportionate to law-abiding principles. You you do the study because we've done it in the past. We grab all the nations of the earth. Those that believe and walk with Jesus are prosperous, fruitful, and blessed. They have greater um, hygiene. They're cleaner. They have less infirmities and, and diseases. Just by hanging out with Jesus, just by that that worship. And so there is why Paul says in Philippians 3.10, Listen, I could claim to do a lot of things, but all I want is to get closer to him so that the power of his life and being able to fellowship with his sufferings so that I can... Be conformed to him in his death. If I I get close enough to be like Jesus, verse 11, somehow I can attain a transformation on those deadly things in my life. I I don't know the last time, and and this is serious, that that I've held a grudge in my heart. Because Jesus taught me to let it go. Jesus taught me to forgive. And we've had some battles here that I, I feel like, There's an injustice, and they're going to pay, and guess what? Let it go. Let it go, because why? Because Jesus taught me how to do that. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do, and you cause all things to turn out for good, and I'm not going to lose my peace, and I'm not going to lose my joy, and I live like the expression of Christ's grace, And, and that's supernatural. Um, I, I promise you when that woman said to me, "I raised my three children, I didn't need a man," And I was like, "You're going to get cancer if you keep living like that." <laughs> you cannot carry that bitterness and that unforgiveness and not be terminally ill in the near future if you don't let God's grace come and clean. Don't carry that stuff. That's what the devil wants. He wants you, he says, love your enemies, forgive those. Why? Because he doesn't want you to have a migraine or an ulcer or any, any evil condition. Let it go. I don't want to. I don't know how you live like that. But you know something? I pray for you. That you hang out with Jesus. That you hang out with Jesus. So if you're going to be a leader, number one, there's no leadership without Jesus. John 15, 5, he says, I am the source. Your attachment to me gives you victory and fruits. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I am able to come inside of him bears much fruit. You can't argue with fruit. Why? Because it's flourishing. You don't have to argue. Just flourish. Be fruitful. Apart from me, separated from me, without me, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to do anything. Nothing is going to take place. So, spending time with the Lord and getting to understand his perspective, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Put to death the things on earth. Colossians 3, 5, do not, you know, the devil wants you uh, in this playing field, jerk, oh yeah, stupid, oh yeah, I don't like you, oh yeah, your mother's ugly, whatever the issue is, he wants you to stay at that level, what you need to do is say, you know something, I'm not going to live like that. If I'm going to be a leader, I cannot stay on an earthly realm. So I put to death, I give no life to the members that are attached to the earth. We're all made out of the same thing. Everybody says amen, right? We're all earthly. We're all going to have the potential of carnal. Um, It might surprise you, but some people could get into some deep profanity and vulgarity. That comes like that. But the truth is a matter. We got to slay these things. Because these things hold us back from going where God wants us to go. Being able to put to death these things and being able to live as God wants us. To meditate on his word daily. To be able to make Christ's sentiment a priority in all of our experiences. Verse 2, principle number 2 for leadership. um, Let's get to the place to know... That there is strength in obedience. This is is one of the things that that the world doesn't understand. Uh, I remember when, when Oscar was wanting to form a family again. And he was telling his friends, look, I can't get married. But they said, but you're 45. You're old enough. You found somebody. Get married. And he says, no, no, you don't understand this, that I have to walk in the order of the wisdom that leads me to obedience and not the the wisdom that causes me to move in my own strength. Because God doesn't assist those that are strong, but He he's coming to aid the weak. And, and so that's a principle that we don't understand. And... And I'll tell you an example. The illustration was that Saturday at the park, we were so strong in our ability to show our culinary expertise, nobody prayed except the team that won. Everybody was so convinced on their recipe, on their style, on the Romero ribs. Ooh, we were all decked out. There's no way we're not. And then the, the week Said, Lord, you know, we we'll call ourselves more than overcomers because you're with us, Lord. Lord, and we pray. We, we don't want to we, we want to win, but let it. These guys were, nobody was praying. I I wasn't even praying. I'm the pastor. I was telling Oscar by Yastet, you better win, mister. See, that's not prayer. That's that's uh, what's that called? Intimidation, extortion. But the team that prayed, the ones that became, listen. There's no way that Undurian steak wins a barbecue challenge. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's just no way. Listen, there was a guy out there that was a real specialist and he did every, he brought blue chips, I mean wood chips that were smoked from Kentucky. He had he everything was but he wasn't praying. He didn't make himself weak in a situation, so God didn't show up. There was no expression of champion. So a, a real leader is so broken that he knows that if God not before us, then we have no chance. Are we leaders like that? Are we leaders that are willing to go forward saying, God, I'm a horrible wife. I, I, I had I." I'm a horrible husband. I I can't do anything as a father. I I had a father tell me that this week. He says, you know something? I'm a miserable failure. Guess what? God could champion that man's heart because he's close to the brokenhearted. And we as leaders have to know this. God, if you're broken in his presence, get ready to see his his glory. Get ready to see big things from God. But if you're self-righteous, if you got the right recipe, the right ingredients, you've taken inventory, you have it all covered, but you're not frail in his presence. There's no victory. There's no leadership there. And so here it is, Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, that, that includes everything, I, I believe. Whatever is going on, whether it's spoken or in action. Do all things in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God. God, thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, Lord, there's nothing that I can contribute to see your victory. And that's what David did when he got his victory. He declared himself uh, weak. He wasn't going there on his own confidence. Yeah, he had talked to the king. He says, listen, when the bear came, I killed him. When the lion came, I destroyed him. I busted his jaw. I I didn't allow him to take the sheep. But then when he's in the forefront of battle, he's saying, I'm not coming to you in my own strength. I'm coming to you in the frailties of my inability because that is where God shows up. That's where God is strong. Uh, You heard my... My example, times pass where a couple comes and it was a husband. He had issues. And I said, well, this is what you need to do. And then you got to go here and there. And the Lord says, hey, Joaquin, you're super, wow, you're impressive. Woo, you know everything. And I said, sorry, Lord. Um, I said to the man, excuse me, scratch everything I told you. God is telling me that we're to pray and ask him what he wants in this particular situation. Let's, let's, let's go to God. Let's not go to what we know based on our past, our resume, our experience. Let's go forward based on inquiring, asking God, Lord, you know, I, I, Paul says whatever things were, were his strength, he, we're going to see this now, he was broken down. Paul always ministered out of weakness and not out of power. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. As I was asking God for help, he says. I'll start in verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Verse 9. I have an issue in front of me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my inability so that I can see the power of Christ rest upon me. We're taught uh, from a young age, and I believe secularly and not Christian, to boast in our strength when we need to learn how to boast in the Lord. Verse 10, he says, therefore, I take pleasure in in my inabilities, in my infirmities, in the places that are shameful and needy in my life, when people are making fun, when I'm in distress and hardship, for Christ's sake, because God shows up. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strongest. I would rather any day of the week for God to show up. First Corinthians 2 3, even when I share, I I can have an incredible repertoire of how I can preach, but I'd rather First Corinthians 2 3. I'd rather show up not knowing anything. This is this is the power. You guys gotta put 1 Corinthians up there 2-3. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. I, I showed up in a total inability to Declare what I knew. Verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching were not with fancy persuasive words of wisdom. I didn't try to figure out the mathematical equation of the universe and creation, but I wanted God's Spirit to deliver you and His power to be present. So that, verse 5, your faith is not on my wisdom but that you can witness the power of God. A lot of times we try to convince people what they need to do and what we could do is pray and let God come through with flying colors. He could do things much greater if we come from that vantage point. Psalm 111 verse 10, Lord, teach me how to move With the wisdom of submission and not with the wisdom of arrogance and self sufficiency. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and He gives good understanding to do His commandments. He gives us the ability to walk in His will, in other words, at the end of the day, I think that that's what we all want. I, I don't think that anybody, I was talking to, even to the men, uh, there's nothing that is coming forth from me that has any indication of trying to prove that I'm right. That's not where we stand from. Every, anytime a rebuke, a correction, instruction, anytime that is flowing out of our lives, it's it's The only motivation of the spirit of the Lord to speak into our life is to raise us up, to strengthen us, to cause us to be champions. There is no self-sufficiency. In fact, um, the common expression of human nature is I'm not going to waste my time. Simple. Have a nice life. I'm going to the beach. But the truth of the matter is that as we move in the wisdom of God, we must be as leaders. And this is point number two. I hope you have this, and, and, and I don't know. Be certain to walk in the confidence that God is greater than anything we can put together in our brain. And when we start tying things in our brain to challenge, that is going to be a for sure Misstep, because God confounds the wise. Say amen. Amen. You take inventory and you say, well, because of this, 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 we can't do that. And God says, you know something? Give me two fish and five bread and we'll feed 5,000. Because submission in wisdom is greater than self-sufficiency and And the knowledge of man's wit. That's always the principle. Principle number three. Make sure that your leadership is in the place of God's grace. Romans 4, 7. um, God has given each of us a special gift through his vast generosity. Right? I don't have it right. Let's try... Ephesians 4, 7. Now I'll look it up. Yep, that's it. Each one. You raise your hand and says, I'm one. I'm one of the ones, that each one, that was given according to the measure, grace. I was given grace according to what God gifted me with. Each one. And so while you're trying to receive the flow of His grace... It has a, pers- a purpose, verse 12, to build the church. Ephesians 4.12, it says that the purpose of the grace you've been given and measure is for edifying the body of Christ. Well no, see, I have a gift that has nothing to do with the church. And so your life is spent outside the church. The grace is for building the church. And and I hope that you abound in God's grace because we're going to see the evidence of your grace. Move in that body. Romans 12, 5. Lord, I want to be a leader. Well, the leader is to conform part of the church. Uh, Many times... Pastors are suspect of why we would travel to another city or country and they say, Pastor Joaquin, are you going to start a church here? I said, no, I'm here to strengthen the church. I have a grace in my life and when I serve the body of Christ in that city or town or nation, the church gets stronger and, and the kingdom of God is expanded. That, that is what God is trying to we being many are one body in Christ individually members one another verse 6 Since we have this grace gifts that differ according to the grace that is given there it is again there's we're differing in gifts and we according to the grace that is given let us use them let us move in those giftings if it's prophesying to prophesy if it's faith faith Verse seven, if it's in serving, serve that word ministry, I got a ministry. Well, are you certain? No I, but I' got a ministry. Are you certain? No, I' got a ministry. I'm a minister. I got a ministry. I'm, I'm a minister. Look, look, do me a favor, and you serve, and let the fruits of your ministry be seen for the glory and the praise of our God high. And then he who is faithful will be able to to bring you in to the purpose of the grace and the ministry he's giving you. Uh, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12, 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, he says, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministry, but the same Lord. The same spirit is Lord. Chapter 14, verse 26, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you? Some have a hymn, some a word of instruction, some can reveal secrets, some have tongue interpretation. Everything, let all things be done for edification. Have you witnessed people, and you've had to be Christians for a long time, the new guys won't know this, that they've been Christians a long time, have a great ministry. And they know how to be a wrecking ball whenever they minister. Nothing gets done at the end of their ministry. Nothing happens at the end of their flowing in their grace. No. Your ministry, your grace, has to have the evidence of building up. I I used to, you know, I think many of my childhood torment was was friends at the beach. After you would build a sandcastle, they they would be experts in tearing it down. They had ADD, so they couldn't sit there and be patient to build one. But at the end of it, they're stomping. I was like, listen, I took four hours to build this thing. And you come in 30 seconds, in two seconds, you tear it down. Why? Why do you, is, is that spirit stuck in you? You can't be a part of anything beautiful. You got to tear it down. That, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to leave it there. That's not normal. That is not normal. I've, I've told some people, see this beautiful church? If it was up to you, it wouldn't be here. How, is that too strong or no? No, you know what it is? It's just not normal that people not rejoice that, that we're going forward. That we, we want to see greater things. You know, I, I see people, and obviously, you you can... We can be fast. Jose Medeiros shows up on the scene. His hair is down to here. He's, he's twisted. He was so twisted that the young people at our youth group didn't even want to be near him. <laughs> Pastor. <laughs> and so you see there with the grace of God and the mercy of God and say, there is a man of God. There's a servant. And so the scenario is I ask God to give you some grace goggles. And to be able to see the potential of God in a prince, in a princess, in in the most abnormal person. If the grace of God comes upon them, they'll be able to build. And we can say like this, this will be our prayer, Psalm 90, verse 17. Lord, let everything we do be beautiful. Let it be attractive. Let it be an expression of your grace and mercy, Psalm 90, verse 17. Can, can, we, can we, as a people tonight, ask God to say, Lord, let your beauty be upon us. Yes. Establish the work of our hands. Yes. Make our service to God significant, fruitful, fruitful. Let it grow. Let it be established. When things are established, they are known. When things are established by God, they remain. Lord, make this a beautiful place. Make this have the fingerprint of God all over it. I I see it this this morning. And God has put into Ficelli's heart. One of the men who's been here for over 10 years, he says, I'm going I'm to paint the whole inside of this place. And what I see there, I see God. See God's faithfulness. Principle number four in leadership. Let God not, let you not precipitate God's work in your life before time. Abraham messed up miserably. We could, listen to me, we could read this story 10 million times about him saying, well, God's taking too long. So I guess I'll ask my wife if I have permission to sleep with my maid so we could have a son. And um, the phenomenal context of these stories is that men always have the capacity to tell the driver how to steer the bus. How many are experts like that? Go ahead, say amen. amen. If you're a young person, you're telling your parents what to do. If you're a wife, you think your husband's a retard and he's still in second grade and you have to tell him, you know, how to drive. I, the challenge for me is uh, we were going through the mountains of Ecuador. And usually I'm driving. And some of you have had the privilege to, to ride with me. And some of you think the brakes are on that side. (laughs) Has nothing to do with it. Okay, so I'm driving, and they're like, careful. Hey, here, here, here. So the challenge for me is, okay, you hate that. So now you are driving as a passenger, and Jimmy Cornejo is on the other seat going 100 miles an hour through the Andes. (laughs) Pastor Mediero's in the back seat throwing up. And telling him, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. We rode for three hours. He must have said, be careful, 3,000 times. (laughs) And I kept on looking back and telling him, will you please observe my conduct, my self-restraint, my acting like everything's okay, just to prove that persons could do that when I'm driving. (laughs) And when we finally get to Ecuador, to the city of Cuenca, is when somebody tells me, That Jimmy Cornejo is blind out of one eye. And he only sees out of one good eye, which he's colorblind out of the good eye. So that would be reason to be able to help him in this process. But I see perfectly fine. But what we're saying here is God's capacity to lead you instead of you taking that whole ball of wax and trying to form what fits in your brain because you will be rendered useless <coughs> unuseful as a servant and a leader of God because God does whatever he wants however he wants in manifold expressions of grace and so we have Abraham thinking he's helping God we have Moses in chapter 2 verse 12 where he strikes the Egyptian and kills him he looks one way Exodus 2:12 he looks one way, he looks the other way, and he kills the Egyptian. Somebody nudged the guy in, on the computer there. Exodus 2.12. He looked this way, he looked that way, and when he saw that the pastor wasn't looking, I'm, I'm sorry, he saw no one was looking, he took actions in his own hands and killed his husband. He took action in his own hands and did what he felt was appropriate. And then he hid him in the sand. I want to tell you that this is nothing, no one other than Moses. God had great plans with Moses, none of which had to do with him killing the Egyptian. None of which he had to manipulate. None of which he had to do it behind the scenes. And yet, time and time and time again, people want to lead distant from God's timing on their own strength and in their own ways. And that makes for precarious situations where now he has to run and hide. Joseph also, Genesis 37.5, he decided he would bask in the, in the lavish praise that God had chosen him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him the more. Verse 6. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. And running ahead of God's season, he's he's stirring up the muck of the waters, and he's doing it in his own strength. And he didn't understand God's timing. David also, in 2 Samuel 6, verse 2, Where he brings the Ark of the Covenant in a way which was inappropriate. And he brought that Ark, verse 3, with all of the people. And they set the Ark on a new card. They they, they had to fashion new ways to do the work of God. And they came up to destruction. They came up to horrible ends. I I want to challenge you to wait the seasons of God for your life as a leader. That the most wonderful time, I tell single people all the time, your your most wonderful time about enjoying your marriage is the fact that, that you cruise through your single life waiting and enjoying the grace of God. We always tell those that run into marriage, you cheated yourself. You should have enjoyed the seasons of God. There are times that God wants to do some very special things with you. In your life and in your ministry to prepare you for marriage. And don't rush into marriage before you're prepared. So you hate it the rest of your life. Let's ask God tonight as leaders. Lord. And I I did this a couple years ago. The the decisions were made. A. You take a seat. And you minister no more. This was about a good 11 years ago. You, I was a pastor. We had started this church. And I said, hey, sit down and relax. And I sat down and I said, Lord, I'm 35 years old. If you want me to wait till I'm 55, I'm willing to wait. Because I want to do what you want in your time. I, I, I want it. to enjoy it. I, I don't want to be doing stuff... Just because I have the strength, just because I have the knowledge, just because I have the ability, just because there's the opportunity, I want to walk with God. Because that is the most beautiful time at all. And I can tell you that several months later, God says, thumbs up for you, my friend. You passed the test. And everything since that day has been a refreshing grace in God's presence. Nothing is burdensome. Nothing is troubles. I don't go home and tell my wife I hate to be a pastor. My kids, you see my kids. They they see my enthusiasm. And it's because I'm willing to wait and, and just see God's timing, even with writing the book afterwards and knowing the potential and knowing the prominence God wants to bring to our ministry and to our life. We are waiting on God's season. We're not in a hurry to get there. And so sometimes when we're in a hurry to get where we think God is calling us, we're suffering. We're suffering loss. And one of the things that helped me was an illustration of two men who had come back from the war. And they were in a hospital, hospital in the outskirts of Germany. And they were waiting and waiting for the war to be over. And they had a room. And one man was hurt and in this hospital without electricity. And he would look out the window and saw a park with some kids playing. And the man that was far from the window, he was eventually getting bitter. Why am I not there where this guy is? He gets to see the park. He gets to see the children. He gets to see the seasons. He gets to see the snowfall and the kids building snowmen. He gets to see them ice skating on the lake. He gets to see the springtime with the ducks and the duckies. And so one good season later the man next to the window began to cough at night. And there's a little table in the middle with a bell, and they used to ring it to call the nurse. And as he was coughing, he reached for the bell, and the man away from the window grabbed the table and pulled it closer to himself so that the other man could not reach the bell. And so he died. He expired that night. And the next morning when the nurses come in and they find a dead man, and they find the other living man, they, they take the dead man and his bed out of the room and they pour, they, they they push the bed next to the window, they give him breakfast, and they open the curtains only to see that there was nothing there. It was black asphalt concrete. There was no park, there was no lake, there was no animals, there was nothing to see. The man had had chosen to bless this man, telling him stories and blessing him the time and the fellowship. And this man couldn't appreciate it. He began to get bitter until he killed that person that was right next to him. So, a lot of times we want to get where we're not, and we don't realize it's not as good there as it was when we were enjoying the ride. The journey was better than the destination. And for some of us, Satan has stolen our joy because it's greater to participate in the things of the Lord than to get to the final end of our victory. The race is over, you get a trophy. But we should be leaders that enjoy our days and our seasons. Without bitterness, without resentment, without frustrations. Just enjoy the journey and have peace. When I heard that, I said, Lord, I want to enjoy the journey. I want to enjoy the peace of ministry. There will be people that are around us today that we probably will not be in fellowship with. Because their ministry will take them to a far off land or to a busy schedule. And this is the season that we can learn and that we could um, the Bible talks about the, the, the inside that, that uh, I forgot what it's called uh, the inside of trees that nourish la savia la, la savia is what we receive that nourishes our own life and that's what the Bible is talking about for us to be able to be joined and that that is a benefit and a blessing so I said Lord keep the the enjoyment of the illustrations coming and that I not precipitate a situation. Our friend out west, uh, Judah Smith and his father, Wendell Smith, uh, his wife said, "I, I continued to hate ministry and be bothered by everyone and I was so hectic with my husband and when he dies at the age of 53... I thought I would have him for many more years, and I never made his life pleasant. That happened about five years ago. She thought she was going to be with her husband until he was in his 70s, another 25 years, and didn't realize that he was about to expire, and the Lord was about to take him home. Principle number five, let us understand that God does not want ministry to be the source of our sweat. That means you're not fabricating You're not manipulating. You're going to inherit things that are already prepared so when you show up. Joshua 24, 13. I've done nothing in Argentina for the last 30 years. And two years ago when I went to Argentina for the first time, everything was prepared and waiting for our arrival. You tell me that's not crazy. You tell me you don't show up at a place that has never seen you and they pay for your hotel, they pay for your meals, they provide your transportation. You just walk in those things that are prepared from before the foundations of the earth. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. I have prepared cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards, the olive groves which you did not plant. How many understands that God's hand is greater than your hand? That God's preparation is better than your preparation. That your capacity to enjoy is your capacity to be patient and wait the seasons. Hey, pastor, you want to go to Japan? No. I want to be in Japan when God knows that I need to be in Japan. Hey, pastor, you want to go to Columbia? No. I want to be in the place where God wants me to be because everything around them, they're going to be like. (laughs) Instead of saying, hey, what are you doing here? Who invited you? How are you going to get around? What are you going to do? When God prepares things and you walk in that which God prepared, there's no sweat. There is no force. There is no hardship. The man who started youth with a mission tells a story, I believe it's uh, Cunningham. He tells a story about his father selling everything they had and going out to ministry and there was no ministry to do. All the kids backslid because he moved before the time of God for his life. Read the testimony. It's fabulous. It's phenomenal. Let's not move ahead of God's time. Let's wait for God to prepare the things that we are to walk in. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, If if the Lord does not build the house, you labor in vain. If the Lord is not keeping watch of the city, the watchman uh, that stands in guard watches in vain. You could even try your hardest and work, wake up super early. I used to use this verse for my parents. It's vain for you to rise up early. Well, it's time to go to school. I Say, hey, the Bible says getting up early, is, there's nothing in that. But this is talking about it doesn't matter how early you start, that if God is not in it, nothing happens. Nothing happens. To sit up late at night and study without God helping you in your exams, you're wasting your time. To eat bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. He gives us rest. He lets everything take place in a passive manner. I have, I have ministry. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Go. You, you, Relax. Calm down. Enjoy. Let's not get overwhelmed in a manner that's inappropriate. Let's walk in the rhythms of his grace. John chapter 3, verse 27, he says, a man can receive only what he has given from heaven. You could only move in the direction of the provisions of God. And and his provisions are vast, and they're glorious. And and every time we go, and I'll tell you, we keep on getting invitations to come back. I, I, you know, if there's not a fresh outpouring If there's not not a a flow in a life, you you can't meticulously bring out your calculator and do something mechanical because it falls on deaf ears. It has no, no produce. In Switzerland, every time they invite us, they say, listen, the people here cannot stand you. But they tell me to continue to bring you back because they cannot deny that their lives are being transformed. That's powerful. I, I don't go there representing me. I don't go representing my ministry. I, I want to be used as a, an instrument of God, a vessel of the Lord. That's you. And don't be used based on some mathematical formula based on your capacity or ability. But just be a servant of the Lord. And let Christ and God and His Spirit and His wisdom move through you. That makes you an instrument of the Lord. I want to finish by sharing that we have hardships on our life, and these hardships are what prove our legitimacy. We're not fast moved. When you tell somebody that you've been faithful for 30 years and not faithful in ministry, faithful to a wife, faithful to a family, that is legitimacy. That is honor. That will cause people to sit there and say, you know something? There are many people that can have gifts and talents but no character. So they, they, they surge for a moment. They have a, an inspiration in an instant. But they don't have long and tried characters. The times of leadership are to be able to discern that God whispers to us in times of, of easy going things. That they're pleasant. And God is speaking louder to our conscience when he wants to get our attention and then Somebody has says that when God is allowing to experience pain, he's trying to get our attention. And C.S. Lewis says, I'll add one to that. God shouts in our pains, but he uses a megaphone to rouse up those that are deaf. What are the occasions God has to move in your life to get your attention? Let it be soft. I just told a young lady tonight, I said, listen, go to the people God has placed in your life and inquire, consider, reflect. Let God guide your life and not you your own. When we allow hardship to bring offense or bitterness or separation or distancing, all we are doing is disconnecting. And now you have to guess. I wonder what the times are. God has put in our hearts to be safe. We all feel good when we're safe. God has put in our hearts to be blessed. God has put in our hearts to have companionship and fellowship and be connected. God has put in our hearts to have the freedom and the liberty to increase. He's given us the capacity to to no authority. I mean, there is no people on the earth that walk like us. I'm, I continue to talk with Eric Natera and, and his testimonies are just crazy testimonies. Time, preparation, response. He wanted a transfer from Washington, D.C. to Miami. And his department head said, wait just a few weeks because I am going to be promoted Over the entire nation. And as soon as I become the head over the entire nation. I'm signing your transfer to Miami as the first thing. That's favor. No one gets transferred at that level. That's favor based on a character. You don't have your, your superior catering to your preference unless the favor of God is in your life. That's supernatural. Let's stand tonight. Ask God, God, I want to be the full express leader that you've called me to be. I want to, I want to be a champion not in my season, not running ahead of my times, not with the wrong heart, not manipulating you be God and you lead me to triumph. You lead me to purpose. You lead me to fulfill the full intensity of my my inheritance, of my legacy. You have prepared me for such a time as this. You will meet divine appointments as you Come into the transitions, the crossroads of your life. They'll be waiting for you. It'll be greater measures of his glory in your life. We were talking to the men on Monday. And the men acknowledged that men hide and are fearful when they are naked. When they feel not prepared. And so Genesis 3.10. Adam says, I... Was fearful when I heard your voice in the garden. I was naked, so I hid myself. When you don't feel covered, when you don't feel the backing, when you don't feel God is present. And God has one question in verse 11 He says, Who told you you were naked? Who told you I wasn't going to show up? Who told you you needed something, someone else? Who told you that I wasn't going to come to the rescue? Father, I give you thanks tonight for every single aspect that we have touched upon. I give you thanks for your spirit. I give you thanks for your grace. I give you thanks for your mercy. I give you thanks that before me sit men and women that will change the world. They will know their God and they will do great exploits. They will not only know their God, they will be known by their God. They will be fruitful to replenish, to restore, to cause there to be streams in desolate places, that their presence will be a refreshing, that their words will be healing to the nations. I pray that you fill them, O God, with your goodness. Fill them with your understanding. Let them go deep with you oh god let their intimacy grow at a greater degree oh god let them rejoice and let their joy be their strength oh god i give you thanks for your mercies in this place in jesus name i pray and the people of god say amen amen and amen greet one another in the love of